Uh, what's up, guys and girls? It is Bobby. And Sean. And James. Oh, there we go. And we're back, baby. <laughs> we are so back. I, this is We're Back, episode 65 at least. It has been at least a year, right? Yeah, let me look it up. I think it's been uh, over a year since our last last recording. Last time I was here was in the spring of 2021. Yeah, yeah so it's last, I don't know if you guys kept months going ago. after that or what. The episode 59, we're back back, was we're back, 11 right. months ago. <laughs> okay, see, this is, I just, everyone knew that this was an annual podcast. I don't know what people have been so upset about, about us not releasing on a weekly basis. We've, we've been a very upfront with this. Um, yeah, we have a, certainly have lives of our own. Yeah, no, it's just writing fitness programming. Um, so for those of you that are new to the podcast or new to ChronosFit in the last year, uh, we founded this now almost was this six years ago. Uh, twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? I think it's twenty seventeen. Yeah. So we founded this twenty seventeen years ago. Oh, it's six years. It's six years, <laughs> it's six years. Uh, because we didn't like how fitness programming costs money. Essentially, we thought it was pretty bad, especially in the army. Really disappointed with a lot of the Ranger Prep pre Ranger programs that a lot of installations that both Bobby and I had been stationed at were running, and really didn't like how it was a game of hide the eight ball and you had to pay some exorbitant fee in order to even just put your toe in the water to even try to go to Ranger School. So we release daily fitness free programming. Um, we have a couple programs that are free of charge. We have some that cost some money. Uh, that money is pretty nominal uh, compared to a lot of the programs that are out there. And all that money goes to our annual scholarship, the Cronus Scholars Program, which I think is now entering its fourth or fifth year, uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But we're just a free fitness nonprofit that wants people to be more fit in any way, shape, or form. Uh We've got, obviously, the three of us that are on screen right now. Uh, Bobby and I served together in Ranger Regiment. We were also RASP2 Cuddle Buddies, um, which is you know probably the highest honor that you can find within the military, just short of, I think, like Silver Star level. It's, it's Cuddle Buddies. Um, and then James, uh, you know, humble brag, squats more than, I think, Brian Shaw. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that much, but <laughs> okay. But it's, it's very close. The gap is, it's like Brian Shaw, James, and then the mountain from game of Thrones. So it's a, it's a, it's very, uh, you know, esteemed company that, you know, Mr. James pack, uh, lifts in right on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we got some military superstars here. <laughs> and then there's me. So I'm just sort of an undergraduate student and I'm studying nutrition and kinesiology in school. And I do all things coaching related through Chronosfit. So the nutrition coaching and the strength hypertrophy coaching I take on. Uh got a few certifications related to that. Uh I'm not too uh not too focused or you know, I don't find that, that important. I'm mostly dedicated to, you know, getting my degrees and yeah. And then we got a surgeon. We've got a surgeon on board. Doctor. Call him doctor. Well, there's two technically two doctors. There's a medical doctor and a jurist doctor. Yes, yeah. I, I can do open heart as well. I you know, I've got that legal legal authority. 
Uh, but yeah, so for those that don't know, I'm up at Fort Lewis. I'm in residency right now for general surgery. Um, I'm on my third year of six. Um, so, you know, long road here. But yeah, I'm up in, uh, in Washington State. Um, planning on doing some fellowship too after I'm done residency training. But we will see where I end up with fellowship. Uh, as Bobby mentioned, I am a Juris doctor. Doctor, I can't speak apparently, uh, which is really good for my field of uh, study. Um, but yeah, I am I am a securities attorney, so I think that gives me a lot of oomph um, in programming. I'm no longer in the army, uh, but you know I still like to maintain my fitness and train as if Ranger School was two weeks away because that's a healthy way to live. Dude, I uh, I do you still get Ranger School dreams at all? No, I, I, I'll be honest, uh, in the last 10 years, the most traumatizing event of my life has been waiting for the results of the bar. Um, I can't tell you how stressful that made me compared to literally anything, including like falling asleep on the 249 at Ranger School and wondering if I was going to be drop dropped. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just me. I uh, have, I don't infrequently like it probably like once or twice a month we'll get dreams of like ranger school dreams or I'll get like west point dreams and they're really bizarre like i don't know why i get these dreams or I'll get like work-related dreams um maybe it's just an unhealthy psyche or something yeah it sounds like there's it's a like, lot of trauma there to unpack yeah like the west point dreams are so it's always the same thing where it's like I'm coming back to school at West Point and I can't find my books and I don't know what class I'm going to and it's shit like that <laughs> for West Point. Ranger school is just like I'm on in the patrol base and like I can't find like the 240 or something like that. And then like the work ones are always like I'm like getting, you know, just crushed on call or something. Dude, it's very strange. You bring up West Point. Now, for those of you that have been, you know, regular annual followers of this podcast, you know I have shit on West Point. Um, pretty much like, you know, it's the Dallas Cowboys of the, you know, NFL, obviously Bobby and I are huge Eagles fans. So that makes sense there for that comparison. I have always dogged West Point because socially, I think some of the officers like to bang their rings more than, you know, bang the weights at a gym. Um, but I have a son and I don't want to pay for college. <laughs> I, I, I look at West Point. I'm like, oh my God. You know, they, he goes into the army, you know, he does what his old man and his grandfather and his great grandfather did like, cool. I don't have to pay for anything and I don't have to pay for clothes. He's going to get some weird gray uniform. I'm sure he'll be fine with that. Like that's, is that like an appropriate reason to push your kid into the in service? Like not wanting to pay for college. Is that where we're 100%. at now? That is yeah. Appropriate. yeah. 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 So <laughs> I think I'm like, I'm, I'm way ahead of this father's game right now. I'm like, I've got it figured out. West Point. Not for me, but yeah, you'll take my son. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could do it over again, I think I would. Uh, I would try and uh, basically get do better in high school, so I could get into West Point, and I could, you know, have my education paid for. Because now, it's uh, sort of biting me in the behind having to fund my education. So yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue of funding education. We talked about it at the intro. Cronus Scholars Program. Every single year, we've got a Cronus Scholars program. It's for transitioning veterans, uh, active duty, National Guard. If you're getting out of the military for the purpose of going to get 
a degree. That can be your undergrad degree. That can be a graduate degree. That could be going to do some sort of a fellowship that includes like welding or any kind of tech specialty program. Uh, the Cronus Fit Scholars Program is there to help with those transition costs. You can put the money, which this year uh, you can put to anything from clothing to uh, the transportation to get to that new uh, place, uh, a down payment if you're, you know, got a rent and security um, books. It's literally to help like merge uh, the gap that might be there because if the GI Bill or yellow ribbon programs don't kick in automatically there shouldn't be a need to, to stress as you prepare for the next, you know, profession that you're about to enter. And so that's where Corona Scholars uh, was kind of born. And we've been doing that for a number of years. Yeah. Why don't you uh, say like sort of like what the requirements are? I know there's an essay. You got to take a picture. You have to upload a picture of yourself. And was, oh, was there James anything else you need? I don't know. Oh, we lost him. Wait, oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. back. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying, uh, what, there's like an essay that's required and then you also need to like upload pictures and are there any other requirements that, that people need to uh, apply? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, you've got two essays uh, that you've got to write. Uh, they're service oriented. I think they're like 400 word minimums. Um, you've got to send a picture in your uniform while you were in service. Uh, your DD-214, scrub for any sensitive information uh, that's on there. Um, and I think a letter of rec uh, has been on there. But it's a really simple, it shouldn't take you that long. Uh, if you head to chronosfit.org and the, go to the Chronos Scholars page, you can see like the previous scholars that we've had, what they're up to. We've got some really impressive people uh, that have come out of the military. And we've been uh, very fortunate and humble to be able to even help them out and be part of this journey as they go on and do some really incredible stuff at some pretty incredible institutions. So if you have any questions, you can hit you know any one of us up at any time um, and reach out and make an inquiry if you've if you got an idea. And if you're like a leader in a formation somewhere in the service, it doesn't have to be the army. It also does not have to be the special operations uh, branches. You can you can you can apply. Please do. Like this is why Cronus Fit is a nonprofit. This is why we exist, uh, and this is why some of our programs cost twenty bucks because we want to help people as they transition. Not to mention, this is like twenty five hundred dollars, which is you know for anyone getting out, that's a significant chunk of change. They, like I said, we literally just give you money to spend it however you need to. Um, so it, it's not a very, I don't, in my opinion, you know, not a very difficult application process. It requires a little bit of writing, but um, you know, a couple hours, like an hour worth of work for twenty five hundred dollars. Not bad, not a bad trade. Yeah, and a sweet picture. It has to be super sweet. I don't want to see any BFAs on a rifle if you're sending us a pick for the application. That is, I didn't put that on the website, but that should be the bare minimum. Do not send a pick from like JRTC. Cool guy picks only. Cool, yeah, very cool. Like John Wayne, your helmet, like whatever the new TikTok trends are. You know, stay modern, stay cool, stay breezy. Um, what else do you guys want to talk about? I know we kind of came in here hot, like, you know, we're coming back after a year. You think there'd be a lot to talk about. Like, I don't know the fact that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and stole it from the Eagles. It's so, I'm so so bitter about that. So very bitter. Dude, so we have uh, some long guys that do our, that, you know, more along or whatever. And we have an Eagles flag. We had an Eagles flag all season out there. 
And then as soon as the Super Bowl was over, I went after and took out the Eagles flag. And then the next week, the long guys came and they were like, hey, we're having to the Eagles flag. <laughs> oh. like, Don't even start. <laughs> They're Cowboys fans, so I think kiss my ass. Yeah, I don't like. Why do they even bother talking? Like, I mean, they're, they're, their team's awful. I mean, like, yeah. historically awful. I I love how like Cowboys fans have said like it's America's team, and you know the Jerry Jones and you know his his '90s era domination. That literally means nothing. Most of the people that you know are in the military now weren't even alive. In the 90s, all of the soldiers, you know, that are coming and it's crazy are like, you know, born 94, 95, 96. Like they weren't even old enough to be aware that the Cowboys were decent. You mean 2005, 2006. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're old. Yeah. Now, like the, you know, to enlist, I think it's like 2005 is the birthday. That feels that, that feels so young. That feels like, like you didn't even ago. watch Rocket Power growing up. Yeah, growing up with uh, growing up. Yeah, it'd be 18, if you're 18 years old now today, you had to have been born in 2005. Oof. That's a tough to swallow. <laughs> that's really tough. Getting old. Okay, so here's one that I'm sure we have such a, a an aging population that follows us now on on Instagram. <laughs> Getting older sucks. Like, I remember as a PL being like, I don't know why my squad leaders are platoon sergeant. You know, they're not keeping up. I don't get it. Like, how are you not running a six-minute flat for several miles? When I hit 30, I thought, nah, I'm 34 now? Oh, my God. Like, I am I am beyond blown away by, like, the E7, E8s, especially in the Ranger Regiment, like seeing the the standard that they maintained, because um, it hurts. Like I swear to God, it hurts to run a 36 minute five mile. Like that, that used to be a jog. Now it is like a I finish and I go, I'm done. I will, I'm done for the week. Dude, I 100% agree. I like, uh, I remember too when I was like a lieutenant and my like NCO was like, just wait until you until you hit 30, and I'm like, now. I'll be good. Like, yeah. Like, two days until I die. Two days until I die. And then anyways, hit 30 and I started going kind of downhill. I've had two knee surgeries in the last year. You know, it's uh, definitely getting worse. It sucks getting old. Don't recover the same. It's going to hop on the... Uh, Metabolism is slower. Train. Yeah. Like, I, I never thought I'd be the person that was like, I wonder what I should be eating. And then I think, oh, yeah. My body definitely blows up when I have ice cream. I should probably stay away from ice cream. Where before it'd be like, oh, it's a Tuesday night? Fuck yeah, I'm going to eat half of this Briars mint chocolate chip, which by the way, I don't eat Briars. That is like a very subpar, substandard ice cream for those of you that can eat ice cream and it like doesn't destroy you any longer. Um, but yeah, not anymore. I It is so pathetic. Is there... Are either of you guys considering TRT? Because that seems to be the new thing these days where, you know, people, uh, they hit their 30s or maybe more like 40s. But um, basically, it, it seems to be handed out like candy, right? Where? Where? Where is this being handed out like candy? It, it's, really, <laughs> it's really not that hard out here. So I have a friend who's... Uh, Let's go online. Uh, well, Bobby, I know a guy named Bobby Zhang who could maybe write you a script. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But uh, I have a buddy who's like 29 or 30. He's just a few years older than me. And he's on it. And his levels, his uh, 
T-levels were, I believe they were like just under 300 NGL per DL, nanograms per decilet. So basically, um, that is just under the range. So if you test just under the range or even a tiny bit above, it, it sort of depends. But uh, basically, yeah, you get that stuff RXed um, if there's there's a medical need. And it's not that hard to, for there to be a medical need, basically. <laughs> I would be very cautious about the TRT. Um, I think that certainly, you know, there's definitely in pop culture, it's becoming more and more acceptable for TRT. But at the same time, though, like um, barring any legitimate like medical issues, most guys until they're like in their 40s shouldn't need TRT. And then you have to consider like the long term effects of being on TRT in terms of, you know, a dependency on exogenous testosterone to maintain your own levels um so those are all things that i consider uh before doing trt is that you know you have to pay typically cash only um so you're paying you know x amount every month the rest of your life more or less um for the trt well that's that goes back to the question like is the juice worth the squeeze like if you are a young healthy male that's producing a normal amount of testosterone do you really need that extra oomph for what you're doing in your day-to-day and what your profession is to get to that next level? I I was I remember talking about that with you, Bobby. I mean, I feel like years ago, like if you were in the military, if you were in the infantry, if you're in combat arms, like should the army have been handing this stuff out? Like we want 1980s era baseball players, you know, running around in kits, smashing down doors, jumping out of planes, or you know, are we fine with the, the natural levels that the human body produces in order to maintain whatever level of, you know, excellence that the military is, is known for? Yeah, I think that's like, you know, I think kind of an ethical question, too. Yeah, obviously, you know, we want um, our military slash special forces, special operators to be, you know, the apex of human performance. And there's certainly a lot of resources that are provided to, you know, push guys towards that, short of, like, uh, completely, like, sanctioning, you know, performance-dancing drugs, which I'm not sort of saying is a bad thing. You know, you, you, you kind of would imagine that there's certainly a good reason for wanting, you know, the tip of the spear guys to have, to have every advantage possible. Um, but then, you know, that brings up, like, the ethical questions of, like, down the road of, you know, you, like, max out. You know, I like to think about, like, your body has a little a bit of, like, a, it's like a battery. You know, you have a bandwidth or whatever. And then if you max it out when you're young, um, you know, you're not leaving much left in the, late, in the later days. And certainly, like, you, you've seen, like, you know, senior NCOs that are getting out at, like, 40 and then they're essentially broken at that point. So that's some, just some things to consider that, you know, Robin Peter pay Paul type of situation. Yeah, I think yeah. the ideal case is uh, you want to use like natural interventions first and make sure you're actually living a healthy life. So, like you're getting enough sleep, you're actually exercising and training because like some guys will just depend on TRT without training. Um, and then you have like a decent diet, and you're also managing your stress levels because if all those things are shit and you hop on TRT, it's not going to be the best band aid. But also for the reasons that Bobby said that like you know once you get on it. You, you got to stay on it basically forever unless you want to basically be a bitch. Um, <laughs> you'll just have like really low T coming if you were to come off uh, abruptly. But um, yeah, I, I do think it's a big decision uh, for sure. But whether or not we should 
you know, given to our military, like you, uh, like Sean asked, I'll, I'll leave that to you two to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, yeah, I think it's, I'm out out now. Like, so I, you know, I, but I, I thinking back on, on whether it should have been, you know, provided by the army for these, these certain units or in, in certain conditions. But it, you know, it also makes me think of like SARMs. I, like, would SARMs be an appropriate substitute to, you know, TRT, HGH? I'm just naming D-ball. Am, am I still in the? I'm still in the zone of of, of testosterone here, guys. PEDs, yeah. PEDs, boom. PEDs, yeah. Acronyms. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can like make the argument because you can say that the military already kind of juices guys a little bit, you know, top of like modafinil or like um sleeping pills too so like those are interventions or pharmaceutical agents that are designed to improve um mental readiness in terms of like getting guys to fall asleep with like ambien or like keeping them awake with modafinil which like that happens in or that used to, i don't know if, still, if they still do it but that was you know when we were in still a thing but then you know where is that line where do they draw the line between like you know medication versus t- like exogenous testosterone or you know drugs um you know it's very i guess shifty line and there's not a really good answer for that yeah 100 percent um with testosterone it's tricky though because because of like the long-term issue and long-term effects and having to stay on it but um i think drawing that line sort of like you like you said you can't really do it but uh at least with modafinil and um like Ambien, like the drugs you named, like those are, you know, in and out. Those are very short term. And they're also generally backed by more research, I would think, um, than testosterone. The A lot of steroid research got sort of abandoned at first, but uh, it, it still continues on today in some studies. But um, yeah. Okay, well, I'll pose this question to you two men of science. Obviously, the United States has a huge obesity crisis. It's impacting, I think, numbers for the military, not only getting new soldiers, Marines, airmen, space spaces, space astronauts, space forces, um, Coast Guardies, and sailors. We're having a problem getting them into the military to begin with. When they come in, I think a lot of them still are generally overweight because there's a concern of, you know, if they can't even meet the basics or excuse me, the minimums to get into basic. Now they're going to create like some pre-basic programs before they're shipped off uh, to you know their their initial uh, training facilities. Are we going to get to a point where we have to provide these kind of drugs in order to to get their fitness levels to where they need to be in order to to train, fight, sustain, and win against you know near peer threats? You know, that's a that's a pretty <sighs> good question. Uh, you know, all the rage right now is like the semaglutide, the Wagovi or whatever it is. I can't remember the um, the brand names, but like semaglutide or the Glip One agonist, or like is all hotness right now. Where like a lot of uh, there's actually been some pretty big studies that look at uh, weight loss with uh, the semaglutide, or whatever. Um, where it's now, I think it looks like you know that's going to be the next. Uh, like anti-obesity medication, um, especially, in, you know, in healthcare. I've read some of the studies, uh, but I haven't dug deep too deep into it. But, you know, I, I saw something about how, you know, there's a decrease in weight, like significant decrease in weight with people that take it. 
but also it's a decrease in lean body mass too so like you're losing not just fat but you're losing your muscle and connective tissue and bone density as well with the fat um so it's not necessarily you know if the end if the end goal is like losing weight sure you're gonna lose weight but there's definitely some more secondary and third order side effects that um aren't quite understood yet so like when you take these medications um i think that's also something there's an increased risk of like bone fractures or like um uh or like higher increased rate of injuries so you know the military population obviously that's not a good thing because you know if you're rocking 90 pounds you can't break your leg in the middle of a rock so you know, these medications are interesting in the fact that for most like sedentary americans it's probably like not a terrible thing to think about but at the same time though like you know diet exercise doing the right things also isn't doesn't cost you anything and it's not like you're you know messing up your body uh down the road with taking these medications yeah so james you know, like you do a lot of the nutrition stuff and like you are just you know bobby obviously has a, a background in it as well but i think a lot of people feel um some anxiety when they think about taking on a new program and seeing results generally what would be like an appropriate result period be for someone to like stick with a program to continue doing it before they either see the physical difference feel the physical difference and then ultimately maybe see that you know that scale tip in the direction they want yeah good question so it sort of depends on how serious you are and how much effort you're actually putting in you know what i mean so if uh you know you're gen pop gen pop guy and you're just like ah yeah i want to lose like 10 pounds or whatever um and you know you're not going to exercise and you're just gonna your only intervention is going to be like oh i'm gonna walk after dinner you can't expect much you know what i mean but um more up our audience's alley would be like hey look i'm trying to improve my body composition i'm getting ready for the school and i'm willing to commit my di- uh, commit to my diet my sleep my stress levels um and with clients we usually see results or like basically progress like whether it's movement on the scale increase in lifts or repetitions or whatever so some sort of a marker for progress improve after like just a few weeks um especially fat loss fat loss can happen pretty quickly like one week in a calorie deficit and you'll drop like you know a couple pounds um but you know that that isn't really what uh it's nice it's good that we know we're making progress but what's more important is the bigger picture and being able to like continue that, uh, get that ball rolling for like, you know, not just one week, but like eight weeks, 12 weeks when we're done working together for the rest of your life sort of thing. So that is sort of what I try and uh, facilitate with my service or with our service is that uh, making sure that we're getting people with the right habits and the right behaviors to sustain this long term. And ideally, you know, some cases we have clients stay around longer to, uh, basically just you know after they reach their goal but to also basically learn how to sustain it so we wean them off tracking calories um get them to eat more intuitively that sort of thing so they know how to eat without carrying their food scale with them everywhere basically yeah yeah i'll say that's one of the probably the biggest takeaways i got when i was like really diving deep into like uh my physique and like tracking every macro i ate was not it wasn't necessarily like become pathological and how i was uh track the macros but like understanding like eyeballing like a meal ex- roughly how much i'm eating too it's like not being able to say like oh there's probably like you know 30 grams of carbs in this like meal or something like that and just being able to understand like how much i do need to eat 
uh, to like maintain or to like lose weight. And I think that's like the biggest takeaway is like once you do it for a while, you kind of get a second, you know, you just kind of know like roughly how much you're eating and how you're, and how you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. And and go ahead with food though. It made me think, uh, in case my sister and brother-in-law are listening, which I highly doubt, but they're vegans. I know they're vegans. I'm sure everyone in the world knows they're vegans at this point because they tell everyone that's what vegans do. Um, what about like a specific diet? Like if, if someone's on a carnivore diet or a vegan diet, like are those kind of things sustainable in your eyes, James? Like when, when you talk to clients or when people ask questions, like, is it a, I want to live, you know, this paleo lifestyle for six months, or is it a, I'm going to be a vegan because I saw a cow cry on YouTube and, and now, you know, I'm changed forever. Yeah. So generally I don't think restrictive diets, whether it's cutting out a macronutrient or um, a food group or whatever, are really sustainable long-term. And I think uh, a lot of the testimonials that show that people succeed, you know, succeed with them. Um, in my opinion, that sort of stems off of uh, a theoretical model called self-determination theory and how one of the psychological needs is relatedness and that can foster intrinsic motivation and improve people's adherence to a diet. And basically what these diet tribes are, are a clear example of the relatedness component of that model in that uh, they have sort of like a community of other people doing the similar diet goal as them. And they're able to sustain it long-term because it's it's just a communal effort with them. Um, but for, you know, if you don't have that community, and if you're just like a regular guy just trying to lose weight, guy or gal trying to lose weight, um, I think your best bet is to sort of, and this is gonna sound really cliche, but find what works for you. Um, so if you're trying to lose weight specifically, then you got to start with some form of cognitive restriction and ask yourself, what are you willing to sacrifice? So it's going to look a little different for everybody. Ideally, you don't want it to be carbs. Ideally, you don't want it to be protein. Um, And ideally, you don't want it to be like essential food groups. So in my opinion, it's best to just take a little bit from everywhere. You know what I mean? So uh, you don't have to cut out dairy or carbs completely, but you could cut out a little bit of everything. And that kind of gives you a slice of, you know, all the nutrients, right? So. Yeah, I would say like in my personal experience, um, I intermittent, I did a lot of intermittent fasting back in the day. I still do intermittent fasting relatively decent amount, like probably two or three days a week at intermittent fast. Um, but in my mind that, you know, all diets come down to like restricting type, a restrictive idea of like reducing total calories. And for me, I found that in my like, mental psyche i'm kind of like a i can't really have very very low self-control so if i like mentally restrict myself to only eating a certain amount of time during a certain amount of time during the day i find that i don't eat as terribly as if i would just freely eat so that person works for me but you know it's not everyone's the same um but i found that works for me um by intermittent fasting dude i remember when you did intermittent fasting i was just trying to look up the name of the restaurant um that Vallarta, baby. Yeah, we're at we're at Benning, and we go to dinner here. And obviously, nobody knows that Bobby only ate one meal a day at this point. And they're like, "We have an all you can eat uh, challenge. You have to finish like a gigantic plate sized burrito, and I think it was like a taco and a soda." Um, like, I think it was fried or something too. Yeah, and and so like it it like seems somewhat doable. You're like, okay, like. Obviously, if you fill up on 
chip salsa and guac, like, you know, this may hurt. So Bobby sat down, Bobby housed it. Not only did he house it, he ordered like more food on top of it. And this was like the first night they were running it. So I was like, okay, like, this is great. I'm clearly not ready for this challenge yet because I've been eating all day, but I'm going to come back. I went back with my buddy, Nick, and was telling him, oh yeah, Bobby did this. Like, it's an easy challenge. You're not going to have to pay for your food. Like, you're going to destroy them. They added so much because of you. Because of you, it became like, it was one of those burritos. I think it was like a, a plate-sized quesadilla, like uh, three different tacos, fries. Like it, I still think you'd probably be able to do it, but it just made me go, Bobby's just ruined somebody's like creative juices. Like somebody was so happy to introduce <laughs> this and say, nobody's going to be able to eat this. And Bobby comes in night one and says, fuck you, I'm hungry. Yeah, those were the days. But also, thinking about it back then, too, like, the activity level in those days, too, like, I was for sure, like, probably still net negative a lot with how much I was training. So I was still doing, like, two days back then um, on top of, like, the Army stuff and then still only eating one meal a day. Dang, you, yeah, you lived the OMAD life? It was life. unreal. It was essentially OMAD. Like, I'd go home and then, like, just start housing food when I would get home. Well, I still remember, though, when you went off and I was visiting you down um, in Voorhees and like for breakfast, it's still one of the biggest bowls of breakfast I've had in my entire life. But it had everything. There was beef. There were eggs. There was rice. There was avocado. There was chopped up peppers. And I remember thinking like, well, this is this is fine. This is why I'm not as jacked as Bobby because I've not committed myself to eating that much food. Like I am fine with being lean and having a, you know, wind sail for a nose. But if ever I wanted to get on your level, I've seen you eat enough now where I'm pretty sure I could catch you. Do a lot of food. Just gotta eat, gotta eat big to get big. <laughs> yeah, and and just continuously, you know, breaking your ACLs so that I can catch up with my legs. Still far behind. Still working on it. I still it, the, my biggest thing right now with my like my knee, my legs is that like my left leg doesn't fire as well still, and it's been like months of like doing physical therapy and it's still like not firing right. It's like when I squat, like I go to the one side or whatever, to my good side. I think I'm starting to like develop like a like imbalance with my legs, so I'm still not quite sure how to fix this imbalance. It's messed up. Split squats. <laughs> Even with split squats, it's like doesn't it doesn't fire right? Like I can do the same weight. But, like, it doesn't get as tired as the other leg, which is, like, super str- – I, I can't explain it. It's, it's really weird. I have a safety bar squat now because I'm old. Ooh. The SSB – I love the SSB. It's it's the only way. In fact, so, you, you, Bobby, you were talking about, like, one leg not firing. For years, I was always insecure about my squat stance because, I mean, I've looked everything up from, like, oh, yeah, tall guys have to go, you know, to low bar – I've always wanted to do high bar because when CrossFitters that are four foot two do it, it looks so cool and they look so powerful. But my right foot, no matter what, is like a full inch and a half to two inches ahead of my left. I have like lined up chalk on the floor. I don't know whether it's like I've got a weird twist, but like now it's to the point where when I do splits or Bulgarians, like my right knee, my right leg is far less secure and comfortable than my left is and i'm like i don't think i'm ever going to be able to rehab that yeah i think like it comes down to does it matter you know and that's what i have i've had to struggle with a lot too as like a doctor is like i probably don't need to be like super fit 
granted like i'm in pretty good shape still you know but you know 33 year old bobby versus like 24 year old bobby is you know significantly different but also at the same time like a 24 year old bobby was also you know in ranger regiment and had to do all the physical stuff so i think like coming to terms with getting older and you like don't necessarily need to do all these things too i think it's been like the biggest adjustment that i've made is getting older and training as i'm older is that it doesn't probably doesn't matter so i do like a lot more cardio now like i do peloton like three or four times a week probably like do two hours of cardio or three hours of cardio a week just for like long-term health wise um you know cardiovascular health not necessarily being as jacked as possible but you know having a well-rounded fitness base i think is important yeah is I, your peloton favorite instructor like a mean person or a nice person it's alex toussaint alex toussaint was my boy nice or mean i i think he's nice i don't know you hear that alex you're nice congratulations if i can meet at at i would love to meet alex toussaint someday what are you saying James? yeah Sorry. yeah i was just saying <laughs> I, I feel that for sure because like priorities shift throughout the life cycle so like you know when you're a doctor you probably uh, versus like, like you said, when you were, uh, in the military, like you, you don't prioritize your fitness as much. You want to kind of have a job to do, uh, that takes up more of your time and whatnot. Um, I'm taking nine classes right now and it's taken quite a toll on my training. I've, I've only showed up to the gym like three, four days a week versus like before the semester was like six or seven. And, uh, you know, it'll only adjust like that throughout the life cycle. I'm sure when we get to our fifties and our sixties, um, the basically it'll it'll be more about like hey i made it up the stairs today sort of thing <laughs> or uh you know as you get older i got out of bed so it, um my point with this is basically look it's it's important to keep like that realistic expectation too with uh how hard you could take your training and what you can get out of it and stuff yeah i just at this point i just want to look good naked and not have a heart attack at age 40 that's kind of my goals I want to be able to maintain like being in the thousand pound club, obviously just for push press. That's it. Um, but like being able to run a sub 20 minute 5k, uh, like deadlifting close to five, try to squat as close to four as possible and benching over three. Like, I feel like those are for, for a, you know, mid thirties, that's like a decent goal to have. If there's, you know, a person that has a, a background with some sort of, you know, fitness regime, but yeah, getting over 40, I don't know, like I program for my parents and have them do some stuff, but it really does make me think of like the OG CrossFit where they started putting out videos here, take bottles of antifreeze and practice like, you know, getting off the couch with them, <laughs> you know, being shot and you're like, why are they programming like this? And I'm like, now I understand like getting old really sucks. Yeah. I think like, uh, being functionally fit when you're older is even more important but it's also like the idea of like putting in the energy and capacity when you're young to build that base and then progressing that throughout life. Cause I, like we all know that like it's harder to get back in shape than to stay in shape. What do you use for the motivator for that? Because my, my biggest thing with a lot of, of the workouts that I do and I still do all of the ones for the military prep side of the house. Like, you know, I got to know like what, what works and what doesn't, but like getting that motivation, knowing that when I do this program or when I do this workout, I'm going to be two rounds lower than I would have four years ago. Or when I'm doing my running intervals, I'm going to be a full 10 seconds slower than I would have, you know, three years ago. It is like, I'm almost 
paralyzed by the fear of not being as good as I was when I was younger. And that's normal, but like, I, it's hard to get over that to get and actually just go do the fucking workout. Yeah. I think like in my mind, it's just like, you know, I just tell myself it probably doesn't really matter to be like crushing the weights or like doing as performing as high as you were before, you know, like 10 years ago, Fisher, you probably been, you know, doing everything much better times and the weights are better. But like I was just saying, like it probably doesn't really matter that much too in all your life, you know, your goals at that period point in your life. Like right now you're like a lawyer. Like the most physical activity you're gonna do is what, like walking across the street with a briefcase, you know? <laughs> well, I I don't have to carry that. They've got wheels now, so I just kinda pull it. Right. So like, you know, it doesn't does it really matter that um you can do these, you know. But then I also frame it like you know, I never want my fitness to like hold me back. So like when we go on hikes or I go skiing or things like that, outdoor stuff, I never want to be like, feel like, you know, that I can't do something physically. So that's also like the idea that I have is like, it's over kind of, you know, being well-rounded and not having any shortcomings in my fitness that would, you know, be a detriment to, to living my life. Yeah. I just, True. I just tell myself that if I don't do this, then it'll be even worse. So uh, you know, the alternative is just not doing it and by doing nothing, uh, even though it's not as good, even though you may not do as good as what you were doing, you know, back in the day, um, if you do nothing, then it'll just be even worse. So you got to do something, right? I think that's true. I, my big one, when I found out my wife was pregnant and then when our son was born was, oh, I've got to be like that dude that he looks up to and goes, okay, that is the normal thing. Like that is fit. I think the big whole culture of dad bods be happy and comfortable and positive all you want about your body, but don't, don't try to act like if you were 22 years old and some, Hey, this is what you're going to look like in 12 years. Like you'd be okay with that. Um, so I just want to be functionally fit. Like we were talking about, like I've got like a 150 pound sandbag in the garage that I use probably two to three times a week just to I'm picking something up. Like when I eventually pick him up and slam him to the ground because, you know, he wants to wrestle dad when he's 12 or 13 years old. Um, but I also want to stay fit because I want to be invited on physical 100. Uh, <laughs> if, if you've not seen physical 100, I think all of you could agree after I describe it, it's right up our alley. I know we're not Korean. I know we don't live in Korea. I know we're not Korean fitness Instagrammers or TikTokers. But I think there could be a compelling argument to be made that we should be on Physical 100 version 2 when they start recasting. It is a phenomenal. I think it's one of the best shows Netflix has put out just behind like Narcos, uh, Narcos Mexico, Vikings, uh, and then, yeah, that's it. Maybe Too Hot to Handle. I've never seen it, but it's always recommended. Yeah, although before we go off on the tangent about Netflix and Physical 100, I do want to say that bringing up the whole point about you, you like working with a sandbag, like my training has definitely shifted in that um, it's less about like barbell and like strength movements for sure, and it's more like um, dumbbells, kettlebells, sandbags, things like that, like more functional movements rather than pure strength. I also do like, uh, I've also been doing a lot more hypertrophy work too, like just like bodybuilding type style things. But that's just like, as you get old, you know, you kind of figure out like what works for you and like what you do need to do and what you don't need to do. Like, 
you know, I don't necessarily need to be like doing like a super strength hypertrophy cycle still, but I can still, but I still want to like be fit enough or like functionally fit. So I do like the kettlebells and sandbag stuff. But that's like one thing that I thought was a good point to highlight about trying to do different style of workouts. Did you guys finish physical 100? Like see the whole season? Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I only shocked saw the first the two winner. episodes. <laughs> Absolutely shocked by the winner. I was, I thought the, the guy I thought was going to win all season. Like, there's no way. There's no way. He he gave up. He quit. I I do not think that he pushed until he had nothing left in the tank. Yeah, I was like, uh, you know, no spoilers. I don't want to tell you who wins, James. But um, I wasn't personally not very surprised by who won, because you know, with the methodology that. It, but I thought th- I thought that guy had it all. I thought he was the full package. I, it is so good looking. Like that that was the face of that show. James, clearly, you probably know who we're generally alluding to. Um, but maybe our preferences are different. What you consider super attractive is super ugly to me. But this man was a specimen. Like, and I'm not talking about the MLB pitcher. I don't know how that guy got as far as he did in this competition. Yeah, Nippers. He's a man. I do like Nippert. I should have been there. That should have been me. Okay? <laughs> like, I've got better tattoos. I'm better looking. Uh, and I would have been way more camera friendly. Whenever he was on camera, he was quiet, humble, mature. All the things that, you know, you'd want to be uh, as a role model and a professional athlete. I'm camera ready. Should have done the casting call when they. Uh, the only problem is you have to learn. You would obviously have to learn some Korean. I wouldn't. Uh, I, he didn't know any Korean. Yeah, he did. He, <laughs> he didn't know any Korean. He, didn't. he knows how to say like umpire. That's an awful call. Like he doesn't know any Korean. He knows a little Korean. He can speak a little Korean. What, what, what's the truth? Is come samida? Isn't that like hey, what's up? That's like that thank, thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Close enough. I'll say that. When, you know, someone says that was a really great match, congratulations on getting to the final round of 10. Like, there is my, like, you know, Korean little blurb that they can throw up for the next episode uh, trailer. I don't know. Cronus Fit fam, we got to make this happen. Okay? I am ready. I want my body to be just covered in whatever white material that they do to make the mold of my body. Okay, like I, th- I wouldn't crush it either. And like when they smash their torsos, we haven't described the show. We've done a really bad job at teaming this up. Okay, physical 100 takes the you know physical top 100 people in Korea. A lot of Olympic athletes, uh, a lot of people from the military over there, um, a lot of just kind of fitness uh, Instagrammers and influencers. And then they make them go through these competitions where they're like wrestling for a 20 pound medicine ball. They're doing, you know, kind of team events. If you've been in the army, the, what is it? SLTs. What's the, no, that's the swing landing trainer at airborne school. What's the thing? Yeah. 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 That thing, you know, they're doing that, but kind of on steroids, probably most of them, um, with, you know, some sort of heavy apparatus. Like that is stuff that I absolutely want to do. And so they, they cut down the field essentially by half at almost every single phase of the competition. I think there are like six phases total. It's really impressive stuff by the time they get to the five, you know, 10 fittest people in Korea. But it is, uh, it's like, it's a really, I think it could have been edited to be a little bit shorter, but it's so entertaining. And they're so like, the bodies were so good. The, the, 
that I I could have just stared all day. They were just like the types of jacked. I didn't think there was that many types of jacked. I was like, okay, you got your bodybuilder jack, your CrossFit jack, but then there was like dancer jacked. There was snowboarder jacked. There were rugby's. There were uh, wrestlers. Wrestlers. I mean, it was like like it motivated me to get into the gym. It motivated me enough that after I watched a show, I went and lifted the same way that after I saw Thor Ragnarok, I immediately went home and did curls. <laughs> it's a pretty good show. Um, I was kind of curious about if they could ever pull that off in America. I don't think they would, they would ever be able to pull it off in America. No. Like be- there'd be too many like, you know, reality TV shows, like your Bradley Martin, your Instagram, like your like influencers trying to get in there. And then all like the true, like, I mean, could you imagine like, you know, I don't know, like, what's his face? Uh, Liver King? uh, Yeah, Liver Liver King King doing this, like... Yeah, or, but, like, any of the NFL athletes, uh, was it, uh, not Sam Darnold, he's the awful quarterback that used to play for the Jets. Who's the, I think he just retired after playing with the Rams, the defensive player, linebacker, Sack King. Donald? Yeah, why do I think his name started with Sam? Yeah. Yeah, football. But yeah, it'd be interesting if they did that in America, but I don't think they'd be able to because there's such a wide variety, too many people to draw from. Yeah, can you imagine a Brian Shaw? I mean, like that would just just backhanding somebody and just taking the medicine ball. But also the show is like very wholesome too, like Korean culture, like people are very polite and very encouraging. Oh my god! There's no way that would be very. Reproducible in America. They were thanking each other when they would lose. They would say it was like such an honor to go up against them yeah. in whatever Thank you for com- the competition. Thank yeah. you. You know, I will try my best. I will give it my all. I think this team has what it takes. And you're like, that's the kind of positivity that like American needs. I can only imagine how how much animus people would have against you know their other competitors. How much shit they would be talking. It it is like such a I almost think that it was like produced by like Korean tourism branch. Like somebody said, let's get a bunch of incredibly gorgeous Koreans all fit to go on this competition that should bring out the worst in people, but let's have them be incredibly polite, humble, and, you know, motivate each other through the competition. Like I want to go to Korea. I, if I had seen this while I was like a lieutenant, I would have been like, I volunteer. I'll send me there. Whatever that duty station is, I will go. Nicest people you could have ever put on camera in that situation. I did enjoy my time in Korea. I do like Korea a lot. I have still not been there, despite being Korean. <laughs> well, I think, again, we should petition Physical 100 version 2 to have the three of us on. We we would bring like, we would bring like the the commentary that it would need for an American audience. Like you don't have to put the subtitles on for ninety nine percent of the population. You know we can we'd be in every single shot like in the background going. I'm doing faces for those of you that aren't watching on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know that uh, James had put up some question like uh, on Instagram for some Q and A's. You guys want to like transition like some Q and A questions from the from the gram? Yeah, I got them uh, sure. right in front of me actually. Nice. All right. So first one is training to improve ACFT slash prep for selection while short on time. In parentheses, three to four days per week. So 
they want to know, you know, how can they train, how can they improve the ACFT and prep for selection, while basically doing, uh, you know, less frequency training, only being able to train three or four days a week. That sounds kind of weird being able to train three or four times a week. It's like asking for a lot. It's like a hail mary. I want to be able to stay good at yeah. everything at all times with limited training. I, the the biggest thing that. I emphasize on any sort of prep, whether it's going to like a RASP, RASP to not so much Ranger School, but an SFAS is like cardio. Cardio is king. So if you only have three or four days a week, generally I model like a lot of the military prep off of a 10K to 20K run program. Um, so in those three to four days, like you are spending probably anywhere from 35 to 60 minutes running. Um, or doing maybe a, a you know low intensity cardio and then basic basic weightlifting, um, but you've got it. If you got three or four days a week, you need it at least an hour and a half for those for each one of those days to really you know optimize that that training plan. Yeah, I would say like a three or four sessions a week doesn't seem doable to train for a selection. ACFT maybe, but like to train for like a selection type thing, you're gonna need to spend like you know, 15 to 20 hours a week training for a selection. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys think differently, but, you know, I don't think that's possible or you'd be very successful training for a selection with like three or four sessions a week, unless you're training for like four hour sessions for these sessions. Yeah. Um, so if you're, you know, your time's limited, you have to be realistic with your goals. Like, you know, I would say it's probably not realistic to expect to do well at a selection doing three or four sessions a week. Like, uh, maybe train for the ACFT. You could probably be pretty successful doing that three or four times a week. But the train for like a selection or like a big type of, um, you know, gate, I would probably be very hesitant to say that be, you'd be, you know, very successful doing that. And I hope it's not the case that you only have three to four days a week because of like a chain of command thing. Because that's also been very apparent at some units I've been in where they don't provide that time. And so it really is a challenge because... I've seen, you know, squad level PT that is just, it's pathetic. Like you can't, it can't get any worse. The, you've got a squalier that maybe grew up on the whole like death before dismount culture, only believes in doing bench press, um, you know, can't see their feet without like bending over or taking a mirror in front of their face, uh, like it, 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 they're, they, they're not mobile, and so you're wondering if I get off work at five to six uh, every single night, or you even at that point also have a family to consider, like it, it will seem impossible. And I think you really have to, if you've got the goal and the aspiration set that you want to go join, you know, an elite formation and your chain of command isn't supporting you, you need to have the backbone to say, okay, I'm going to go to my platoon sergeant. Your platoon sergeant doesn't does support you. All right, I'm going to go to my first sergeant. First sergeant doesn't support you. Sorry, Major, like you keep doing that, it might make you feel like you're burning bridges, like you're going to get targeted by, you know, your immediate supervisors because they don't maybe think that it's important that instead you should be focused on whatever table for gunnery. But you're going to find somebody at some point that's going to want to invest that time in you and say like, yeah, absolutely. Like why, why is this new soldier who wants to go and better himself being prevented from doing it? Because people that have some jaded view of that formation that he aspires to join. Um, and so it really like 
have that confidence to have that conversation. You are an adult, you're in the military. I know a lot of times it doesn't feel like that because you are so micromanaged at times, but you are an 18 plus year old man, woman. If you can tell somebody no, if you have the authority that you can tell somebody that you're commanding no, you should also have that confidence to tell that to somebody that works above you and have a realistic conversation. Boom. All right. Um, Next question is, how long should the functional fitness program take? And they're referring to like session duration. Um, I, I've actually been asked this a lot, like from clients and just like seeing Q and A's and, uh, Bobby, are you a sadist? Cause a lot of people say that the functional fitness is hard as shit and like, they're just burned out. They can't finish it. They can't do it longer than like three weeks. I've, uh, I literally talked to a client yesterday who told me that. <laughs> yeah. I would say like, um, in the ideal world, it should be two sessions a day. Like you have your conditioning and medcon session and then a strength and lifting session. That's like the ideal world. And honestly, a lot of the functional fitness, I probably should modulate and turn down a lot of it. Um, because it, it is a lot of volume. But, you know, it is going to be pretty effective if you're able to dedicate the time and recovery into that um, from personal experience. Um, but... You know, it does require a big time suck. So I would, you know, for functional fitness specifically, when they're talking, when it's like a four session or four piece day training day, um, splitting it up into two pieces is, I think, the the most effective way to do it. I definitely back what Bobby's saying. If you can split it and do two a days, um, when, like, I would a lot of times be following what Bobby was putting out, uh, especially for the strength components. I would sometimes either get to the gym at like six. Uh, at Carson and then I would stay to eight cause PT was supposed to go from six 30 to eight. And that was when I was in a position on staff where it's like, okay, you're the fittest person on staff. We're not going to make you come to formation. Um, and the HHC commander didn't have much authority. At least I didn't let him have much authority. Uh, and so I would do that. Then if I couldn't, then it would be like, all right, I'll do a six 30 to seven 30 and then get back to work, but then use my lunchtime. Um, but yeah, like I think I think a lot of it if you're taking like adequate rest and really want to hit those pieces, like probably total for the day like 2 hours to 2 and a half tops. Yeah, it's like being efficient with your time too cuz like um you know, I obviously don't program like the cool down, like the warm up and cool down stuff and recovery stuff into it. But like realistically the pieces themselves shouldn't, you know, like the strength piece depending on like how I'm programming it. Um, you know, usually about like three or four working sets for most of the strength stuff. So like you'd realistically do that in like 15, 20 minutes and then all the med cons usually are less than 20 minutes. The conditioning pieces can take a while, but that's when like, you want to split up like the conditioning in the morning session or in the afternoon session and then do like your lifting and med con in one session or another. Um, but it's being efficient with your time too and not like fucking around on your phone between sets. Yeah. I, uh, I made a post recently actually about concurrent training, uh, which is like basically just some sort of endurance training uh with along with strength training combined in a single program and uh, the data appears to show that at least for people who are trained it does appear to be a little bit better uh, if you want to maximize each adaptation to spread those sessions out by at least a couple hours ideally eight hours and uh have like a meal in between but uh if you're a novice or um, if you're a novice and you're overweight then Novices who are overweight were basically free of any interference effect, meaning that they got just as good gains as people who only did resistance training. Um, 
even when they had you know cardio thrown in on top. So just a cool little note there. Quick question for for you all on the warm up cool down piece. I know some gyms, uh, Carson and a few of the gyms there uh, included had like saunas and they also had hot tubs. And for a while I was utilizing those. Obviously I don't have one in my house. I would love to. Uh, benefits of using those either cool down, I don't even know if that's a, appropriate as a cool down, but at some point in your training. So I actually, uh, I'm a TA for a kinesiology class and a professor asked me to do a lecture on cold water immersion. So I'm in the process of putting that together. But uh, so I just looked at research investigating this recently. And to sum it up, when it comes to muscle and strength adaptations, um, it will, uh, cold water immersion or any form of cold therapy following a workout basically creates a more uh, muscle catabolic environment physiologically and a not uh, very conducive towards muscle anabolic environment. So uh, it's they, they basically look at the uh, muscle physiology markers. So certain proteins and uh, muscle protein synthesis versus proteolis, proteolysis balance of so breakdown. And uh, we could basically conclude that it attenuates muscle growth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, like uh, the cold water is an anti-inflammatory effect or cold temperature is an anti-inflammatory effect. So when you like work out and you're trying to get bigger, you need a certain degree, a certain amount of inflammation as in your body is trying to uh, recover from the uh, stress of training. So like if you take like ibuprofen or like NSAIDs, it's probably pretty similar in terms of blunting the hypertrophic response. But as far as like the hot tub stuff and like hot therapy, um, I think as far as recovery work goes, I think that's probably a pretty good intervention. Like doing the hot and cold is, um, you know, a pretty good intervention. And there's like data that shows um, with the hot, specifically with hot saunas and hot temperature, if uh, decreasing uh, mortality, um, probably something to do with like the cardiovascular effect of the hot weather or hot temperature. So I think like doing it, you know, on your recovery days, probably a good idea. Doing it concurrently with like the training, probably like I don't know, I don't know what juice, how much if the juice is gonna be worth a squeeze like on your training days. But definitely on like your recovery days, on your Thursdays or Sundays that we have, like doing like a sauna time or like cold tub on those like active recovery days is probably a good, pretty good intervention, a pretty good idea. Sweet. All right. And the last question is we got from SFAS, SFAS. Uh, what should my taper look like? Um, I would probably say, you know, you have your date. So I'll probably start turning down the training probably about two or three weeks out. Um, like about the two-week mark, you should probably be done all your hard training and kind of tapering down at that point. I don't know about you, how you feel about that, Sean. Yeah, I think our, our SFAS program that we've got or the selection prep, as it's called online, has a, a built-in taper period that's two weeks. Um your your mileage will go down slightly your the the lifting percentages as well and mostly that's just like you need to get in the right headspace to go um, i think the biggest thing that i always took away from a couple weeks going in especially just for like considering ranger school way back in the day was they like ramped that up so that you were sprinting into ranger school and i know a lot of lieutenants coming up to the eye bullock were so burned out and they shouldn't have been, but they were, um, 
they were burned out and they, they failed out within rap week because, because physically it hurt because I think like the week before we even went, we, we took an RPFT, which I'm not saying is like a strenuous event in itself, but part of the tapering process is the mental aspect and going in going, okay, like I don't have to be the best person on this six mile sand run. I don't have to be the first person to finish when you're doing rifle PT like you just need to be able to continuously be in the top third, the top half, not the last guy. And so like getting into a state of mind that you're going in, you're competing with a whole bunch of other alpha type individuals, um, being mature in that, in that phase of the, 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 you know, selection or the school that you're in is going to go much further than, you know, like any gains you were going to potentially make or think you're going to lose in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think that like you know, you're training. You're tr- you're not gonna get much um, benefit from like training hard the last couple of weeks. You're only plus only gonna potentially worsen your overall uh, fit- your fitness by being overtrained when you hit into hit into selection. So yeah, I would just say like two weeks, like uh, take the time and like kind of taper down like the and then like the last couple of days up to like four or five days beforehand, like do like almost nothing and you know, use that time to like mentally prepare. Um, because at that point you're really not going to get much out of the training. Um, at that point. Yeah. Go over your packing list a bunch, to be honest, like have everything laid out so that, you know, cause what's really surprising about like every single schoolhouse event that I've ever been to has been, you are standing on your feet all the time. Um, you are up, you know, all day. I mean, it sounds like normal. Yeah, I'm on my feet. I'm doing that at work, but it's just a different level because it's the unknown. You you might have a general idea of the timeline that you have for that day. They might post it. Um, you might have someone that's in a leadership position, but you still have that anxiety that's gonna like increase your blood pressure the entire day. You're gonna go into events and be like, oh my god, I I I can smash this RPFT, but for some reason I'm starting today. And I feel more tired or, you know, I know we just did the layout at SFAS. I'm not ready to go on an unknown distance run. Like how fast should I be running? And so all these like things that add up are like going to decrease your physical performance to it, to a degree. And so going in at like full speed is just, it's only, I think going to hurt you. Yeah. And there's something you said about like not going a hundred percent either on events either. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You, but don't go, don't slack off to the point that afterwards, you know, during the boards or, you know, some instructor doesn't come up to you and go like, I, I know, like I could tell, like, you, you know, you've been crushing the events like all weekend where we know when you're tired, like, don't be that dude either. Like just consistently consistency and then look around you and see how everyone else is sucking. If everyone looks like they're really sucking, still be better than them. But like, not by too much. Little little gamesmanship involved with everything you do. Yeah, but not in physical one hundred. In physical one hundred, I would go one hundred percent because that is showing respect to my opponent. <laughs> See Netflix. I can do these interviews. I can be like super good. Like it was really challenging. He pushed me past my breaking point, but I'm so glad because now I know what I can do to myself to prepare for the next event. Thank you. Now, please, can I carry these six giant tubs of protein to the waiting lounge? Um, anything else that uh, they had, James? No, that was all the Q and A questions. But um, 
a friend of ours. Uh, he is a certain snake. This isn't his username, if you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So he was asking about basically uh, longevity and training. Or when he means longevity, he really means sustainability. So that is seeing out the long term, bigger picture with your training instead of trying to basically optimize each variable short term uh, or focus too much on optimizing each variable. Um, and then that ends up leading you to you know, crash and burn or whatever. Um, but so one thing he basically wanted to know was how can we better sort of facilitate like long term sustainability when it comes to training? Because after all, that is what sort of makes the gains, right? Versus just, you know, uh, doing everything perfectly for a few weeks and then stopping. Yeah. I think my attitude on a lot of those things is like, um, whether you're training for an event or just working out, I think that there's a distinction between the two. So for example, like if you're training for something, you have a specific event they train for, you know, whether it be like an Ironman, a marathon, training for a selection process or something. So with that inherent like goal in mind, there's going to be a period of, you know, kind of increased intensity and a periodization of your training, if you will. And then um, with that, you know, there's probably going to, if you train like that for an extended period of time, you probably will burn out because you have, you know, a progression of intensity or volume or whatever. Um, so by training for an event, um, I would say that's a limited, you should be limiting how much training you're actually doing. Whereas if you're like working out to maintain physical fitness, I think there's a different uh, mentality to have where, you know, you're not necessarily pushing yourself 100% every day on every piece that you do, but you're giving it like an 80 to 90% effort where you're not necessarily like maximizing the gains, but you're maintaining what you have and maybe adding a little bit to it. And that's obviously going to be more sustainable for longevity when you're working out versus training. Um, and I think you have to balance like your training and working out sessions um, and like how much training you're doing per year too. I think it also comes down to like that. What's that goal that you have on your wall? You know, Bobby's talking about working out or training. If you're the type of person that gets motivated by like a yearly challenge, whether it's, you know, I want to, like Bobby said, I want to do a marathon, an ultra, I want to do an Ironman. Um, I want to do a short distance sprint triathlon like understanding that you're going to lose some aspect of maybe your fitness that you had before in order to facilitate, you know, reaching that goal. Um, but then also when you start switching back and forth and being like, okay, I just want to be a functional human. Like you do have to change it up a bit. Otherwise you will get into that position where I, I've plateaued. Like, what do I need to do to get out of this hole? And that's where we talk about like, oh my God, like that mindset of I'm fearful of trying something new that I know before maybe I would have been easier to adjust to. Um, I would have been more fit in, in the, the program that I've written. Um, but now it's like, I, I've got to overcome this mental hurdle more than the physical one. Uh, and I think plateauing is, for me at my point in my training is is like kind of where I'm at. Like my, my bench, I don't think will ever get any bigger. My squat certainly won't unless I really, really do like a squat heavy program, but it's being comfortable going, okay, like I'm going to make small goals throughout the year. Like I want to be able to run a sub 19 minute 5k. All right. I'll do that for six months. I'll stay like running, but maybe the next one after that will be a 20k that I want to do, you know, averaging like sub seven. So like if you're the type of person that wants longevity, but create kind of consistent goals that complement each other throughout the 
you know, a year, two, three year process. And that, that way you're changing it up enough so that your body feels like you're getting something out of it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I really enjoy, that's a good point of like having small goals. Personally, like I just, at this point, just work out. I don't have anything I'm training for. Like I just know that I probably should do about two or three hours of cardio a week. I want to get like four or five lifting sessions a week, stuff like that. So that's like my thought process is that I'm not necessarily training for anything. So I don't necessarily need to like be super intense or um, purposeful in my training, but just overall like working out to stay physically fit. Um, it's like that mentality that, you know, that kind of switches back and forth between training versus working out. Not the same that one's better than the other. There's nothing wrong with just like working out too. Uh, I think people have that negative connotation between like, are you training or working out? And I think people think that like you have to be training for something all the time. And not necessarily true. Ultimately though, you just want to look good naked. Like ultimately training yeah. or working out doesn't matter. That's the end goal. Like that, if that's your motivating fact, just be comfortable to tell people that. Cause there's nothing wrong with it. Cause the, you know, beach season might only be three months out of the year, but you know, those lights in your bathroom don't lie. Right on. But yeah, good, good questions. Very good questions. Um, should we start wrapping it? Yeah, it's so weird. This we'll be we'll be back in two weeks. We're doing this every two weeks. I'm throwing up the two sign for the YouTubers. Um, any uh, last minute thoughts or pitches you guys might have? Um, we'll get the scholars program up soon, so you can apply to that. Yeah, I think we're set. Yeah, I'll I'll throw a pitch in for James. Uh, James has really been uh, kind of increasing his coaching uh, coaching clientele. So if you guys are really interested in kind of bumping it up, I'm actually really happy that James came out to our team and started helping out the coaching because Absolutely. it's something that people have always asked us about us doing coaching, but neither Sean or I really have the time or mental energy to really do the coaching stuff. Um, so I'm really glad that James is here to offer that service to you guys um, that want to take kind of your fitness and training to the next level. Um, additionally, I will. We have been like teasing the app now for like I feel uh, like a year or two year years. Teasing <laughs> the app, yeah. It's coming. But it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Our programmer guy, he just had a kid too, so he's busy as well. But it's it, it's in the works. You know, our goal with the the app is to kind of um, make it things easier to uh kind of track things so we'll have like a like a a way to track your workouts and your lifts a way to like compare results to like a leaderboard type thing and some other things that we're excited to kind of show you guys and um you know when it comes out we'll, we'll talk more about it when it comes out but that's in the horizon the app's coming out soon 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 <laughs> all right uh with that guys That'll wrap up this episode of We're Back. Version 66. Yeah. Um, hit us up if you have any questions. You have us all our info on, on the gram. We have our website. The website. We have your uh, emails. Uh, love to hear you guys' um, comments. And I uh, really enjoy hearing from you guys. So if you have, have any questions or concerns, feel free to hit us up. All right. With that, peace. Peace. See you. Later.